0: Welcome to Rooftop Perspectives, inspiring Christ followers to join Jesus in his mission
1: in their
2: everyday lives.
1: Welcome to Rooftop Perspectives. I'm Michael Brewer, and this is John Whaley. And John, I'm glad to see you again today.
0: I'm glad to see you this week, and it's going to be, um, man, I'm looking forward to this third episode
1: of this series. Mm. This, this one is special. It is. They're all special, but th- this one, well, they'll know it when they see it, why they really <laughs> will. Uh, we're glad you joined us today on Rooftop Perspectives. Our, our focus each week and our goal each week is to inspire you and to encourage you to join Jesus in his mission in your everyday life. And we do that by sharing the stories of people who are and reports how God's moving across the nations and what he's doing. And uh, today we continue this series of Joining Jesus with Life Action. And it's an opportunity to meet some people at the core of all that Life Action does, week in and week out. Uh, John, tell us about this uh, unique uh, interview today we have.
0: Well, today is a unique interview. Um, in the first two episodes, Um, You heard us talk about these life action teams that travel across the nation nine months of the year and lead these revival summits across um, in so many different churches. Um, But those teams uh, are made up primarily of young people, Um, the Gen Z generation in which God is at work today. Um, Most of them age 18, 24, somewhere around there. And and they make up three teams, known as the blue team, the silver team, and the red team. Well, while in Michigan in August, um, I sat down with three of these amazing young adults, one from each team. And we talked about revival. We talked about their journey to Christ. um, We talked about um, life action. And then we talked about how God is moving across their generation. This is a very insightful conversation that I had with these three amazing young adults who are deeply in love with Jesus yeah. and so excited about joining him in his mission every day of their lives. And, and as we are um, recording this, and even as this is being aired, um, they are the, they are in the very middle of their travel season and 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 traveling to all of these churches and um, staying in host homes and they raise their own support by the way to do this and it's just an amazing amazing group of young people and so you will want to take some notes and probably watch this one several times and share it with others because it is a, a great great conversation with these three special people so enjoy um just meeting some of the members of the Life Action team. Well, it's great to be with you guys today. Welcome to Rooftop Perspectives. And um, um, for those that are watching, uh, just to let them know we are um, in Michigan at Life Action Camp. And uh, it's been already an amazing two days, part of Seek Week. And um, just want to kind of talk to you about your stories and where you're at. uh, First of all, all of you introduce yourself and uh, Tell us, first of all, a little bit about your Life Action, how you came to Life Action. Then we're going to kind of back up and talk about your whole journey to Christ and revival. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to do ladies first. So I'm going to start with Leah. So give us your name and tell us about how long you've been with Life Action and how you became a part of this.
3: Okay, so I'm Leah. This is my third year traveling with the road team. Um, How I came to be part of Life Action. Yeah. Okay. So... um, Okay, I gotta think back. So, my pastor, my home church pastor, used to travel with Life Action like 30 years ago. Oh wow! So we had Red Team come to our church and do a Thirst Conference when I was in like the eighth grade. Wasn't old enough to travel, I wasn't really old enough to do crew at the camp either. Um, And then two years later, so my sophomore year, I had Silver Team come to my church, and one of the girls, (laughs) like really poured into me and she really encouraged me to do crew because I wasn't old enough to travel and I really wanted to travel. Um, so I came up to the camp that summer and I worked crew for two weeks and I really liked it. And then I had to go back home. Um, and then junior year was okay. So junior year, the second half of my junior year was when like everything like shut down COVID and Mm -hmm. everything. Um, when, and this, like, me getting to life action plays a huge part into my story. Um, so my junior year, after, like, school was shut down, there was nowhere really to go. Like, I really took a step back away from Jesus and church altogether, and I was like, this is not worth it. But then I, the second half of my senior year, I had Red Team come to my church. Um, and it was... I when they came to my church, one of the girls invited me to come when I was working one day. And I was like, okay, I'll give this one more shot. So I went to the conference, um, and I like had forgotten how good Jesus actually was, and how worth it it actually was. And so um, I saw my life change that week, for like very big life change, I guess. And um, I really wanted to be a part of it, and I wanted to be a part of it before then, but Jesus had made it, made the time work out so perfectly where I was in this spot where I had seen how this ministry can affect people who have, like, taken a step back and actually want revival and want the truth. So, like, then I was like, this is what I'm doing. So, I've, like, canceled (laughs) all of, like, my college plans all my scholarships to be here that's amazing yeah
0: so tell me a little bit about your own journey to Christ so what what when did how did that all happen
3: um, so I was saved I would say I was saved super young okay um, I don't really remember I have a hard time remembering like my childhood and growing up um, so like I have believed in Jesus my whole life I've gone to church my entire life um, but like my junior year it was starting to like... I was finally starting to hit like rocky territory in my life of like, okay. What have I been believing my entire life? Is mm-hmm. this like the truth? Is it not? So like, I kind of became in that place where Dennis was talking about um, yesterday of like, um, if what was it? It's like the church where like people will believe in anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. What
0: If they don't believe anything, they'll believe everything.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of in a place of like, okay, I'll, like, everything could be true Mm -hmm. or it could not be true, is what I have been believing my entire life. I'm also from the South. So, like, very culturally Christian. Like, you go to church, you put on your happy face, you go to church, you go (laughs) Christmas and Easter and a couple of times throughout the year so like it's very cultural like it's almost worse to be like i'm not christian like in that kind of culture because everyone is is
0: so what part of the south
3: i'm from alabama
0: okay very good
3: um so like in that it was about like maybe like eight months of my life i was like okay so what actually is the truth um, And I'd finally gotten to a point where I was so exhausted of trying to find other things. And, like, other things weren't fulfilling. And this didn't work. Well, because it's contradictory to its own self. And this just doesn't make any sense. So I finally gotten to a point where Jesus had put me in a place of, like, there is nowhere else to turn. And I was like, Jesus, I'll give you one more shot. And... I would, like, I would have said, like, I was agnostic at that time. Um, and when I met that girl at my work, who I actually got to travel with her, too, um, she was like, why don't you come to the conference? I think, like, you come hang out with the team. And I was like, okay, like, I know your gig. Like, I've been in life action before. Like, I've served on crew. And that day, like, I was like, okay, Jesus, I'll give you one more, one more shot. Mm-hmm. And that's wow. all I needed to push me into like actual abundant life with him. So that's, I mean, that's kind of my journey.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And so, again, you're with what team? I'm with Red Team. Okay. So there's three teams, mm-hmm. for those that are watching. They may want to know there are three teams in Life Action, So which means that Sophia is on the Silver Team.
4: I already know I know I already know you're on the blue team. So
0: <laughs> figured that out. So tell me tell me a little about your journey to life action, your journey to Christ and Yeah,
4: absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Sophia. I am live locally to Life Action Camp. in South Bend, which is just fifteen oh, yeah. minutes away from close. where the camp is. But it was almost too close where we didn't think about it. It's like, oh, you know, that's like, you know, the local yeah. camp but Uh, My church, my pastor, he was a revivalist on the silver team for, I think, around 15 years. And so we had a lot of life action, um, previous staff members and influence in our church. And so I always had a passion for music. Um, You know, I loved singing, playing piano and guitar growing up. And I was just discovering what artistry was and everything and um, just doing it for myself. You know, just really excited about it and passionate. And then once I came to Christ, my the way I looked at it shifted. Like, wait, this can be something to surrender because any gifting I have is only because God has given it. And so I wanna steward that well and give it back to him in a way that's ministering and loving people. And so we had on our worship team, um, a couple of the leaders ahead of me went on to travel with Life Action. One of them was on Blue Team and I just saw that and I was like, you know what? I feel like God is calling me to ministry and this is literally in my backyard. This mm. ministry, oh, yeah. and so I was like, "What's this all about?" And so I worked crew for four weeks, um, going into my senior year of high school, and then I hopped on the road last year, and now I'm here again. So that's kind of how I got there. Um, so yeah. And that then, is so
0: cool. Yeah. So when did you come to know Christ? Really young?
4: Yeah. No, I was almost thirteen. Okay. So um, I grew up in a Christian home where the gospel was pre- presented very well. My mom was very adamant about um, sharing the Bible with us and my father too. Um, but I, was a, I had a lot of chaos in my spirit um, mm. and in the home. And um, what was really hard is that the gospel was presented well, um, but the example in my home, my dad, he actually wasn't saved, but okay. he was living as a Christian, um, like on the outside. And so I was very angry because Mm -hmm. I saw this is what God as a father is. And my father says he loves God. But there was a disconnect. And so I had a lot of conflict and chaos in my spirit of like, well, I can't really trust God because I can't really Mm -hmm. trust dad, you know? And so there was a lot of bitterness and this tug. But there was also being presented with the word every day. And so um, his word does not return to him void. You know, and so even though I wasn't saved, I was putting the word in me, or I was having, you know, church or my parents pouring that into me, and it started to work on my heart. And so I got to a place in my life where everything felt broken Mm. and fractured, but no one else would have seen it because I kept it all inside. And I only allowed the brokenness to be seen when it was safe to be seen. Um, And so when I got out with people, I put the smile on, I was yes. happy, I was ready to serve um, for the approval of people. Yes. Um, and that's honestly a selfish way to live, right? You know, when you're living for the approval of others, it's for your own glory. Because mm-hmm. you want to see them appreciate you, not God. And so, um, God's word started working in my heart and he started to use that to transform me to see that this is broken in your life. This relationship might be broken or scary, you might feel like chaos, but I am your peace, and I am Lord, and he's the only one that deserves glory and honor and praise, and so I was brought to a place of surrendering. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of Isaiah 6, when um, Isaiah has the vision about um, being in a temple with a seraphim and seeing the, the presence of God and the holiness, and woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, right, and he came and saw the holiness of God and knew I can't be here, and then God cleansed him, and um, then he said, here I am, and then God sent him out, so yes, I'm broken, but I'm cleansed, so I can surrender to God, and he can send me out to love, vulnerably,
0: That's so good. yeah,
4: because then I got to see that redemption, because through the years, then um, as God was restoring my heart, he eventually restored my dad's heart, Oh, cool. and so my dad came to Christ when I was uh, I think the summer before I went on the road, and, or the year before. And so I got to see that transformation in his own life because all those years that um, God didn't forget my dad, you know, um, and his brokenness too. Um, and so I think that's what's beautiful about being part of Life Action is my own story. I've seen the broken, fractured mm-hmm. um, family that looks perfect on the outside, but once you get in, it's just a mess. And God sees that and he still loves us and knows us. And so um, here I am. And it's like, I've seen him transform and I'm still in that sanctification, but it's like, I'm broken, but here I am. Send me, you know? I
0: love that. It's quite a great story. Great story. And to hear the story of your dad's transformation yeah. through all of that. So good. Yeah. Now we come to Cameron, who really has two answers when you ask him how long you've been in life action. <laughs> so you have kind of a double answer. So. Tell us a bit about your life action journey, which started when you were very young. And, and, and through all of that, how you came to know Christ and...
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, my journey started when I was five years old, actually. Um, I was adopted from Ethiopia. Okay. And um, my, my parents who adopted me were part of the ministry. Um, my dad was actually the camp director here. Okay. okay. And my mom worked with him. And, and so they adopted me and I came and kind of was introduced into this lifestyle five so um, but I, I think one of the things I remember getting here was I mean it was just first of all it was a lot different than where I was from obviously um, <laughs> Obviously. Uh, yeah. but but it really was um, some of the, the best years of my life because really I had all this property to run around in and I, I mean <laughs> I all my friends a lot of my friends were the staff kids and um, the other family staff kids and so um, it really was just a great few years. Yeah. And then um, when I was eight, my parents decided to um, leave this section of the ministry and move to the traveling teams um, as, as team pastor and one of the family uh, teachers on the team. And so what that required was me and my whole family, I have two other brothers, uh, three brothers, sorry, um, all left and packed everything we had into a trailer and we started traveling around the country with um, with essentially what we are today but when I was eight it was different um, yeah. they're all older than me and so that was um, it sounds cool but when I was eight that was really hard because yeah. uh, um, I was leaving a lot of things for nine months um, and so and I remember my, my first year it, it was pretty tough we we, we did it and um, we, we came back and I was super excited to you know see my friends again and, and uh, we got back and i found out like five four or five of the families that i was we were really close to all had moved from the ministry on the different things in their lives mm. and so um uh, you know just being an eight-year-old i was like man my life is just you know terrible right now it wasn't <laughs> but that's, that was my perspective and um and so um that was when I was eight and we continued doing that year after year. We'd come back in the summer year after year, we'd go on the road. And, um, during this time, uh, I was, I was pretty active in the, uh, um, this is, this, this part of the story is how I came to know Christ. Cause this is, I think it's really important, but, um, I, I began to help out in the different parts of our routine ministries. So I was helping teach kids, you know, I was, I was pretty young. I was like nine, 10, 11, 12, helping doing all these things. And, um, all the way till I was 14 years old and uh, I remember one uh, the, the my freshman year um, that summer before um, I was extremely rebellious kid I would um, I just very everything you'd imagine a rebellious kid I was mm-hmm. um, constantly going beyond my boundaries um, that my parents had set for me in um, constant disobedience and um, it all boiled down to uh, we, we got back on the road in September and we were at this church and Steve, who's um, who's our team, who's our team revivalist at that point, was teaching a sermon on knowing, doing, and being. But that was kind of his session, like how as 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 people we live in three different places. It's, we know the word, uh, we do the word, or we are followers of Jesus. Knowing, doing, and being. And I, I realized I knew everything knew yeah. everything we were teaching in our ministry, which is essentially the gospel. Um, I was doing it by teaching kids and helping in an active ministry, but I was not a follower of Jesus. Um, I had not confessed my own sin and repented. And, um, and, and so I remember just being overwhelmed with that one night and, um, talked to my parents and I, I met Christ that night, some random. Church parking lot in Arkansas. <laughs> it's just the nature of traveling. It's just yes. we're always in some other random parking lot yeah. or our house. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was when I was fourteen, and um, the next four years of my life, which were my um, high school years, we were still on the road, and those were growing years. But I, I was I went down some difficult paths. Um, I was a follower of Jesus, but I wasn't mm-hmm. always living it out. Um, and then COVID. When I was a senior in high school, I'm sorry, junior in high school, COVID came, and um, you know, COVID did a lot for people. But COVID changed my life in a lot of different ways. Um, the first, re- the first way it was it forced me to take a step back from all that I thought I was. Uh, I'm very extroverted. I was very extroverted at that point in my life, uh, like 90%. Like people was was where I got all my energy where I got my satisfaction everything and so all of a sudden I didn't have people um, for four months exactly uh, as we were just here at the camp nobody was here no families were here it was just me my family and actually one other family and um, the Lord began a work in my life that the the real Mm. fruit work in my life um, uh, by pruning away the things that didn't need to be there and teaching me how to abide in so I went from like 90% extroverted to, I think I'm like 40 or 50 now, um, just uh, remembering that the the mission and the, and the call that Christ has me, it, it is to minister to people, but it's to abide in Him and not find all my energy and passion and, and love and desire in those people. Um, and it's okay to get a little bit of that, but not all of it. And so um, that's kind of my salvation story. And then um, through... Through that, I was able to um, get a position on the team, and so I went from a staff kid to a team member um, after high school. And so um, I was independent from my family, um, as far as being on the road. I was now wow. a team member, so I was in the host homes, and I was raising my own funds, and I was, um, had, a, had a specific job. I was on the band wow. for two years, and, um, and the Lord, again, continued, is continuing to do that work in my life. I mean, I go because I feel like every year there's something else that oh, God, God did or God is doing you now. Um, but yeah, so and, and now I'm here teaching. Um, I'm, a, I'm a student revivalist, so I teach the students. Oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. So yeah, you got lifetime with Life Action, basically. Just try to cover 15 years. It's, it's hard. It's, it's yeah, hard. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: of course, the whole heartbeat of Life Action, which, which I've always loved, is as it says on the website, sparking revival in the life of churches. Um, that whole whole thing of inspiring people to their next yes, um, their next yes to God. And of course, revival is one of those loaded terms in, in a church culture, especially in the South. I pastored in Alabama and grew up in the South. And you can sit 25 people in a room anytime and say, tell me what revival is, and you'll probably kind of get 30 different answers out of 25 people. Um, so, so let's talk about let's just talk about revival. You know, you know what is it, and have a conversation about what what is your heart desire as you're going to churches of what you want to see happen in the life of the church. So, so what is revival? let y'all think about revival. Any of you can answer. This is a conversation. So, what it's do you think question. about when
2: you hear revival? Good question. Um, you know it's. it's probably just, uh, eye opening for me sometimes sad. Cause I, I don't always think of, um, think what I, what it truly means for me, but, I, honestly, I just look at the work that God has done in my life. What I just mm. talked about, I think it's just transformational power, mm. um, abiding in either a, a soul, one soul or corporate group of people. Um, and that transforming power, um, moving people into mission. Um, mm. That's good. whether it's, it doesn't matter if it's a vocational mission if it's something that, you know, you're going to do or if it's just, alright, I'm going to extend God's love in every situation I'm in and it, 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 it's God's presence changing people um, yeah. to look more wow. like him that's just kind of I like, that. The whole, like the whole concept there of God's presence changing people, I mm-hmm. think that's a, that's a great
0: so when y'all think about revival other, other insights there
3: I mean um it is like a loaded term and like in the South it is used really loosely. But
0: oh yeah. I um, mean yes people in the South will revival. What's well, that four day meeting we have every yeah, we have spring and every fall. Week. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't
3: like, that's something I've kind of asked myself since I've been here. Like, what does revival actually look like? Is it widespread or is it personal? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, like, Revival is mission. Like revival is action and movement. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean. And that's so critical. That whole understanding yeah. that revival is is mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because one of the things we're talking about so much this week, and Dennis is talking about Burn and Seek Week, um, is is the whole fact that revival always leads to mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That if revival doesn't lead you to mission, then you really haven't have revival. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's 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 the whole purpose of revival is it's realigning um, your heart with God's heart, that transformation. Any any thoughts on that?
4: It's so funny. I was actually thinking of the word realignment as well. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. In this world, we have so much we have so many trials and sufferings. And I was talking to one of my pastors one time, and just kind of sharing my struggles and um, our circumstances when we're looking at them horizontally, just around us. They seem so daunting and so big, oh, yeah. and we take our eyes off of God, and so He becomes in our eyes very, very small and far away. Like, are you even in this God? And these seem massive and um, life-altering, um, but it's Him realigning our focus to be like, like, who is God, mm. and being in awe of Him, and that, like um, Cameron was saying, like that propelling us to change, like. You know, the, the yes changes everything, like um, concept of surrendering our obedience, like um the revival when it comes in and changes and transforms, like it changes the way we're gonna live our life. So we're not gonna continue living circumstantially, but we're gonna live with eternity in mind of um seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you know, and all these things will be added to you like it's living with, you know, kingdom mindset of like knowing who God is and letting that change the way we uh, advance in our life.
0: Amen. That's good. And so as y'all are heading, I know you're about to head into another season of travel here just shortly. Um, so as you're going into churches, what are some of the things that you're thinking about and praying into about here's what we would like to see happen in the life of a church? Um, so what are some of the things that you just really are looking and just really hoping this happens?
3: Um. do you mean that more in like a corporate yeah, in a or? corporate
0: sense because anything about revival when I mean, you said about individual and corporate mm-hmm. and people always ask is revival individual or corporate I say yes Yeah. <laughs> yeah. because it is and, and I know as you go into churches you know there's just this hope and desire mm-hmm. you know what are some of the things you're just praying that this will happen while we're there
3: I kind of like I always pray for the people who were in my spot when mm-hmm. I attended an event. And like, people who are like seeking the truth and they're giving it another shot. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I always pray for people who are looking for that. Like, person more personal revival. And that's harder to see. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we won't always hear about that. Or like, those people won't always join the team. Like. So that's something that I tend to really pray for, the people who are curious and just seeking what life with Jesus is like, Mm -hmm. rather than like, I turned my whole life around more of like the people, the question, the people who have the questions and like wandering in, like, those are the people that my heart is for when we go out to churches.
0: That's good. People come to understand. Mm -hmm. Relationship, not religion, mm-hmm. and really understand who Jesus is, because we realize as we go into churches, you know, you have a significant number of people who come who think they're Christians, but they haven't yet surrendered to Christ. They've never said yes. They've gone through all the external, and you got a lot of those people seeking and and trying to figure out: Is this thing really real? I mean, is yeah. this Jesus? Can he really change my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 a lot of people. We forget how many people are sitting in our churches every Sunday who um, have have walked an aisle, they've prayed a prayer, they've been baptized, but, I mean, they've never, we're hoping that during that week they connect Mm -hmm. and realize, oh, this is what it means to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. What's some of the things you're, you're thinking about praying for as you go into churches,
1: Sophia? Yeah,
4: I think that an aspect of it that God's kind of impressed on my heart is the families. Mm. Um, the families that come in that feel like they have to have it all together, and you know, show up on Sunday morning, and the exterior looks really good, yeah. and like you know, we're ready to be at church, we serve, but then like it's just fractured, and um, I guess like my heart would be um, them being led to a place where they can be honest, coming to God, mm. and allowing God into transforming the family unit. Of like Mm -hmm. what that looks like for families to be unified because there's so many families that are together but there's so much disunity and so um allowing god to shape and renew um the kids and the parents and that relationship and um you know because like the ministry of children is such a beautiful thing because that's the next generation and you know how are we stewarding the opportunity Mm -hmm. of the kids in our home you know as um, you know for the parents like um, like that's an opportunity to disciple and so just seeing like uh, that be renewed so that then when those kids are growing up then they're sent out you know so just seeing the um, transformation of families for me
0: and when you look over the 52 year history of life action and there are so many stories mm-hmm. of families I mean marriages being restored and families being restored and and, and people come and understand that, you know, God, God invites us to come to him in our mess. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so he can do that work in us. Uh, and that's, that's powerful. So Cameron, what are some of the things that is your, that's kind of some of your passions as you're going into churches and you're saying, God, would you do this?
2: Yeah. I mean, mine goes along the same vein as, as Lies when she said, um, her heart goes out to the, the people living in similar lives yeah. as, as her. Um, and I think in my own life, um, I teach, I teach as students, and so my, my main focus is, when I get into a church, is helping shepherd and disciple students in the amount of time they get, whether it's four or eleven days. Um, it can be hard to do that, but I do my best to, to try to um, pour into them truth from the Word. Um, and so, I think of my life between 14 and 18, what those things were filled with, um, mm. which were a lot of lies. Both lies that I would say, and both lies that I was believing. Um, And then I think of uh, a wrong sense of my identity, Um, Mm -hmm. placing, again, I talked earlier about placing all my uh, passions and desires and and, and, um, joy, I guess, happiness in people rather than Christ. And so um, my heart goes out to um, students, young people who are living lives where they don't truly understand who Christ has made them to be. Um, And I I mean, I I I pray that the Lord just completely restores um, their lives that um, they don't seek to be comfortable. They don't seek to be um, um, just living lives where everything just works for them. Um, They're happy, you know. I hear the phrase, I just want, you know, I just want to be happy. And it's like, it's not, that's not the goal of the, <laughs> following Jesus, not to be happy. Um, the joy comes in following him wherever he calls you to. And so, I um, think, honestly, the thing that I, I seek for most and I pray for is just restored um, views of Jesus. Uh, because the reality is all, a lot of the churches we go into, mm-hmm. people already have some sort of concept of what they think Jesus oh, is. Yeah. But mm-hmm. most of the time it's the wrong it's not itself. biblical, it's it's not not biblical uh, yeah. at all. So, it's, good. And so to restore that view of Jesus, um, which I just think of myself uh, of when I during those times of, in, in COVID when I was just by myself reading the, the Gospel of John, I was just in there like the whole time and just reading the words mm-hmm. of Jesus. Um, and I think I think it's a, in my, I don't mm-hmm. remember where it is, but I think of Jesus when he was praying. Um, prayer he's praying for the people that he've been ministering to for three years you know, he's about to die um, he's, he's crying out to his father um, on behalf of, of his the people that he's lived with for 33 years and um, and I, I just I just have that same passion and desire for the people that I, I get to minister to he's praying for them crying out that's, that's really my desire is to see restorative relationships, um, with Jesus. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, I'll
0: kind of wrap up with this question, you know, since Asbury, I mean, this has been an amazing year since Asbury, um, as we're watching God just move across your generation. I mean, there's so many things that have happened on, on dozens of college campuses. Um, and, and many, there's many of us in, in, that have been following revival and awakening for decades. And praying for awakening. And many many of us sense that, that your generation is the new wine and the new wineskin mm-hmm. that's gonna bring in a revival um, and maybe the next great spiritual awakening. Just, you know, what do you, what do you sense is God's doing in these days, especially among among your generation as we look at what God's doing across student ministries, campuses. What are some of your what do, what do you sense God's doing?
3: Um, I'm like it is a big like, it's so big oh, it is. it's so much bigger than I could ever mm-hmm. imagine but like I I personally think God is like really using what we've grown up in mm-hmm. to almost like like we, we're the first generation to grow up with like social media oh, and yes. um, technology at our fingertips so like we've been fed all these lies our entire life of like how we're supposed to be, how we are supposed to show up and have it together and everything. Mm-hmm. So I think growing up seeing all of that um, like almost pushes us further into like truth-seeking. And well, is that, is those lies even worth pursuing? Like what is, like me and my mom talk all the time about like how our generation is a truth-seeking generation.
0: It is, yeah. And,
3: We'll do anything to find it,
0: and God's using that. Mm-hmm. I think the spur—that's what's happening on a lot of these campuses—is that you know we yeah. want—we want to know truth. Mm-hmm. Other, other thoughts about that?
4: Yeah. yeah, I mean, kind of going off of what Leah said, I think there's a hunger mm-hmm. um, because, like you're saying, like the happiness. Um, the whole concept of we're living for our own enjoyment or happiness or find the next thing, you know, it's like, it's hard when you seek happiness in everything and find it in nothing. Or you Uh, find it for very short times and then it leaves you feeling empty and just gross, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think there's a frustration of dissatisfaction yeah. or however you say that word <laughs> <laughs> um, <The satisfaction. laughs> the satisfaction. um but you know things like are a word better yeah. thank you thank you <laughs> i can't move it on the spot so um <laughs> but um there's a hunger for more and like you were saying truth seeking like you know what is going to satisfy and are we living for unhappiness or are we living for something more yeah you know and so That's it good. comes down to what we're living for and um, getting
2: a taste of that. And then, um, yeah, that's good. That, so. that's good. Any last thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I just echo with what they say, especially when she's talking about um, finding truth. Um, it's just we live among people who are, who are trying to find oh, yeah. what's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you know, you get a lot of students and a lot of high school students and college students believing. A mixture of like ten, you know, different religions, and I believe a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. Um, it's just they want to have some type of structure of truth, and um, and so to be able to be to be people who are um, stepping the buses and, and driving around with, oh yeah, um, what we believe is the truth, what we know is the truth, um, and that is the love of Jesus, and to present that to people. Obviously, there's nothing that in our power that we can do to change lives, but we present that truth. And we just you know pray our hearts out that they receive that same truth and um and i believe and i know that god is going to um is going to bring along people who are going to to see that truth and mm-hmm. to abide in it and, into, and to live their lives for it that's correct well i appreciate three of you taking
0: time today just have this conversation and i know we'll encourage uh, others who watch it and we're excited to see what God's doing at Life Action, and especially right now as Life Action and the Rooftop beginning to work together and learn ways that we can begin to serve together on the road and different things. It's going to be an exciting next couple of years, especially. And just thank you for the time today, guys. And I know you've got a busy afternoon. And uh, hopefully I'm planning on being back with you tonight. Absolutely. And we're going to have a great time together. So thank you awesome. for your time.
1: God bless. Thank you.
4: Appreciate thank
1: you. it.
0: Yeah. Michael, I love spending time with this age group. Um, this is one reason I, I I I purposely choose to disciple people from this age group, um, you know, and and it's just refreshing um, their their vitality, their love for Jesus, and um, man, and they gave us so many great great truths that we we could we could share multiple takeaways from from this conversation. But one of the things they talked about. Is one of the, one of them said when we live for the approval of others, we are living for our own glory, not God's. Yep. And and coming from, from that generation, this age group, that's a huge statement for them to make. Yes. Because you know, because of social media and everything, you know, this age group constantly is, is really battling with identity. And, and they look for the identity so many times from other people and their yes. approval. But to hear to hear them say, you know, when we, when we begin living for other people's approval, we're not living for God's glory. We're living for our glory. And, and, and to have that depth of maturity to understand that living for other people's approval is a waste of time. We're already fully accepted yes. by God. God loves us. So we want to live for him. We want to live for his glory every day and know that when we do that, God will take care of everything else. Yeah. And, and and that that's that's something that we adults need to be reminded of because we're just as guilty as anyone of, of seeking other people's approval.
1: And and it's happening down into our middle school children. Oh yes. The, these these are these are the older generation yes. of ZZ. And, and how many stories have we heard, read about, seen in the news, or hear people talk about because they did not receive the approval or they were bullied? We, we have a generation that's in, that's in crisis of being despondent, despaired, uh, depression mm. and much higher possibility of committing suicide yeah. if they don't receive affirmation from their peer groups. Mm. And if they don't receive it specifically on social media. It's so true. this, this is a profound reality that needs to be spoken into this generation. Yeah, That's that's the reason revival, true revival is so important and and getting them to share their take on what revival was. And we came away with the revival is transformation, power, moving people into mission. Mm -hmm. It's not just it's not just this wonderful, touchy feely. Oh, I'm right with God. But it's this moving within the individual that I'm, that I'm now part of God and he's going to reach my friends, my family, my community through me, with me, by me, the transforming power of God that moves people into mission. And the mission is Jesus's mission. Exactly. Walking with him, living with him, letting him lead us and guide us so that God, the father speaking through God, the son, leading us by God, the spirit, the triune God gets to take us into the world Mm. to be the light and the salt and and everything God promises we can be. That's what revival does. Mm. It transforms us.
0: Yeah and they and they and they get they get it that it always leads to mission. Yeah. And this goes right back to this new say yes summit that we're developing with Life Action. You saying yes to Jesus is saying yes to mission yeah. and understanding that revival is always transformational. I like what you said Michael it's not a feel good because many people in the church today they think we revival is a four day meeting with great preaching and great music and we all walk away feeling woohoo. Mm-hmm. And the reality is Real revival leads to brokenness, repentance, um, confession. Um, yep. Real revival changes you from the inside out and makes you a new person. Yeah. And so um, it's not just a four day good good meeting. And then toward the end of the conversation, we talked about how God is moving in the Gen Z generation. Um, and I love what what one of them said when she said, you know, God is using what we are growing up in. She says, we're the first generation to grow up with social media technology. And I love that phrase, social media technology. Technology. And she, and she said, you know, we've been fed all of these lies. And one of those is if you want to be happy, find other people's approval. We've been fed all of these lies, which has driven us to seek truth. Um, And several times, They talked about, you know, we'll do anything to find truth. This is a truth seeking generation, which I believe explains why God is moving so powerfully in this generation. Yes. Um, And why God did what he did at Asbury, why God is doing what he's doing. And literally dozens of campuses right now across the nation, not just college, but high school, even now the middle school campuses because we're in a generation that says we want truth and Jesus is the truth. And because they're open and they are seeking, God is revealing himself to them in some amazing, amazing ways, amazing ways. And and it's exciting to realize that this is three, uh, we're talking 60 to 70 young people that travel with life action. And and, um, and and many of them before they can even travel when they're in high school, they're serving in life action camp as a crew member. Yeah. And 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 the realize when you get despondent, understand that these 60 or 70 just represent thousands more like them across the nation of students. who are seeking truth, they're seeking God, and God is meeting them on their campuses, meeting them in their churches. Uh, Man, I don't know about you, Michael, but these are exciting days to be a part of
1: When When one of the statements, and I can't remember which one made, because I have 16 takeaways on my piece of paper from this video, (laughs) (laughs) and we narrowed it down to three. We married some of them together, and that helped, but but they said, we're no longer living in the moment, but living in the scope of eternity. Oh, wow. No longer living in the moment. And and this is this is a generation that's always been about the moment. Always. And to hear, them, to hear them say that, yeah. I mean, my hair standing up on my arm now, just remembering the, the context of all they were saying. Yeah. No longer living in the moment, but living in the scope of eternity. I mean, that's the big picture. Yeah, that 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 a that a lot of my generation has forgotten. Because somewhere along getting older, you start living in the moment again.
0: Amen. And you forget the backdrop is eternity.
1: It's so much more, so much more.
0: Now, and this is this is one reason I want to encourage um, those of you that may be listening or watching that are part of mine and Michael's generation, the older generation. This is also a generation that is looking for the wisdom and mentorship of an older generation. And um, I have several that I disciple right now, and one of them came to me. Um, several years ago and said, would you disciple me? I mean they 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 enjoy hanging out with our age um, because they want to learn from us but I, you know the thing I understand and learn every time I meet with this generation, man I learn so much from them and I'm reminded so much of truth like what you just shared about we live in light of eternity we don't live for the moment and we need to be reminded of those truths so Um, We want to encourage you, if you want to know more about Life Action, just go to lifeaction.org. I encourage you, um, if you're watching this, you're a pastor and you've never had a Life Action team come to your church, you need to book a team. Um, They come in and they do everything, Michael. I mean, they come in, they lead the worship, they work with the children, they work with the students. Um, They they do it, they do everything because the reason they do that Is so the church can actually be involved and enjoy and be a part of the revival movement that's taking place today. If you um, were inspired by what you heard and what you saw and listened to, um, please like it on YouTube and Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Rooftop TV, and that way you'll get notifications. If you um, hit that notification bell on the YouTube channel, you'll get notifications of episodes as they come out. Please also follow us. And that way you can also continue getting notifications. And then um, let others know about um, this podcast by sharing the episodes with your family and friends on social media. And then if you are listening to us on any of the other platforms like Spotify or or, our CastBox, please leave a review. And let people know how this episode or these episodes have blessed you. And so we thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about therooftop.org is our website. And you can go to therooftop.org and learn more about the Rooftop Ministry, a global ministry, making a million disciples in 100 countries by the end of 2026. And you can also discover how to become a part of this vision that God has given us. And then next year we'll be in Dallas, Texas for the rooftop, the shop, excuse me, discipleship summit. Hard to say that fast, Michael. Um, But this will be a two day summit um, focusing on what does it look like to make disciples outside the walls of our church buildings and comfort zones. It's going to be an incredible two days. This will be our third of our five summits that we are doing over the next two years around the globe. Well, thank you for taking time to join us today. I hope you have an incredible week joining Jesus in his mission, and we'll see you next week.